Well, RBA, I want to welcome you back to an old tradition uh, by casting. I want you to cast your mind back three years to the last time that we did one of these replay podcasts. Uh, at that time, we had the old program. Uh, we had State College in Pittsburgh. It was, in fact, so long ago that Arizona was in the playoffs. Jeff, welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's been, it's been a while. We are speaking here in, in the summer of 2016, uh, resuming the, the replay podcast, and you do have a chance this season to, to go back to the playoffs. In fact, a very good chance. Um, but uh, we're going to resume the series, uh, this podcast series, as I said, by picking up where we left off. And that was in uh, 2013. We did them all the way up through 2012, and now uh, we get to take a look at the season that was 2013. And as we get started, uh, just to remind everybody what what we do with these things, um, we basically just take a look at the season from beginning to end, and the things that we add in, in addition to looking at the draft, looking at trades, looking at the postseason, are the um, the spreadsheet scores that Jeff calculates based on the team statistics and um, where the podcasts get their name, the replays that Jeff runs. And uh, why don't you say what uh, what you did for the replays here for this 2013 season? Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I ran 20 instead of the usual 14, and I ran 162 game replays. So we have a large sample. The win totals that I'm going to give toward the end of this podcast are going to be sort of scaled back down to 81 games because this was the last season that we played uh, 81 games per team. So this was the end of an era in a lot of ways, actually. Um, So typically what we do is we start at the draft, but sometimes a few things need to be said before the uh, draft. And I guess I'll mention now that that this – the 2013 season, going into the 2013 season, was the uh, first and to date only time in RBA history that we have had contraction. That's true, and that is a good place to start here for the 2013 season. It it was the end of an era, and uh, it was, I guess, 2012, though, in a way, was the end of the 12-team era. We did have 12 teams from 2007 when we expanded to uh, include uh, Gulf Coast, Atlanta, and Dunedin. Uh, through 2012. So that was what you could call the three-division era exactly of the RBA. Right. That was. So 20, uh, 2007 to 2012 was the three-division era. Uh, we added the Clemente division. Um, the three divisions, really, we, we put together so that we could, you know, have a, an expanded playoffs. We expanded the playoffs in 06 to, uh, from 06 to 07 to four teams. But we, I found out that, you know, you can still do a four-team playoff with two divisions, obviously. Um, and we moved mm-hmm. back to two divisions to restore some of the rivalries um, that we had. Originally. And, yeah, right. We put, uh, we put Arizona, Elm Grove, and Vegas <laughs> together with both of the Tinglers. With both of the Tinglers. So that was like, I, I knew that was something that uh, you were interested in doing because, obviously, there were some old stories going back to the early, early days. I guess by that I mean 2001 through 2005 or, I guess, 2006. Um, but and basically what had happened was that you know, Orla- the Orlando and Baltimore franchises had become inactive. Uh, we talked in the last podcast about how Adam Goodykunz had handed over the Orlando franchise to his brother Dave. And Dave is uh, Dave is Dave. Dave has been confirmed to be Dave. Yeah. 
he had the he had the franchise for one season, and during that entire time, he I just found this out fairly recently when I brought up the RBA to him. He did not have Microsoft Excel. He didn't have Microsoft Excel. I want to say that again. He didn't have Microsoft Excel. I want to remind everyone that this was in the days of the old program. The RBA was entirely generated by Microsoft Excel, like everything. The program ran on Excel. And Doug had kind of, you know, had become inactive. He'd been sort of off and on for a couple of years, mostly off, I think. You know, he had a lot going on in his life. And so we decided to contract those two teams, take the other ten teams and split them into two divisions as as the league had been prior to 2007. And um, and that was the big change going from 2012 to 2013. And there would be more big changes um, in the offing, but that was the big one coming in to 2013. Um, and of course I, I have to mention, you know, since we're picking it up where we left off that, you know, we're coming off of 2012, the season in which Dunedin picked up their first plaque. Um, so congratulations again to Dunedin, uh, you know, the clear blues. JR's, anyway, JR's face right now, unfortunately I can see it on Skype and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. I mean, it's never pretty, but it's worse now. Anyway, 2013, I just want to remind everyone that Dunedin won in 2012. Did I do that already? Oh, yeah, you, okay. you did. So let's talk about the draft. I'm going to take over here. Before we talk about the draft. You can go clean yourself up. <laughs> before we talk about the draft, we have to talk about the pre-draft trades because there is, there, there oh, yeah. is a big trade that framed a lot of this season. Um, and so we have to talk about Elm Grove. Um, yep. Yep. This is not a unique moment in RBA history. <laughs> but Chad came into 2013 with a average to slightly below average team, and Chad um, decided he wanted to be a playoff team. And so he he sent his first, second, third, fourth, and sixth round picks <laughs> as soon as they were unlocked at the beginning of the offseason, uh, and uh, for the following season, obviously, for 2014. And he traded for five players from Silver City, Kyle Loesch, A.J. Burnett, Chipper Jones, Grant Balfour, and Angel Bagan. Um, picking up, at that time, we were keeping ten players, so he, he picked up half of John's team. And probably the better half. <laughs> I would imagine so. I would imagine so, yeah. We will uh, we will get to Silver we, City. Oh, there will be talk of the 2013 Silver City Vultures. That will occur. The the theme of the 2013 season is, is in many ways, the story of Silver City. We'll get to that. Keep that in um, mind, that that happened at the start of trading. Um, no. John had a uh, John had a, a a weak set of keepers. He wasn't going to contend, and I mentioned uh, I've mentioned this before, but John um, had been known Silver City had been known as a team that 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 was never great and never terrible. They ranged from bad to good, but never they were never terrible and they were never great. And this uh, well, this put an end to that. And not in a good way. <laughs> um, I mean, no, they, no, yeah, this was not a great a couple team. of very good teams. Of course, they won the plaque in 04, and their team in 08 yeah. and, and 2011 both made the playoffs. Of course, lost to you in 2011 in the oh, yeah. in the, uh, tur- uh, in the championship. But uh, that 2011 team was quite yeah, strong. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and but he never bottomed out, uh, and then he went for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he climbed the mountain, as I said before in one one of the podcasts we did. Um, so it's funny we're we're going into the draft, right? And and uh, SoCal lets the cat out of the bag by indicating who he's going to take first overall. And now this was a player, it was pretty much known that this guy was going to go first overall, but JR has been known to get his panties, his panties in a twist when someone says they're going to take a player. And so, and so anyway, so Donnie says... I, of course, I, I remember this well, and so uh, this is uh, something, one of my clear memories that I'll, I'll tell the league. Um, of course, I generate the rookies manually, basically. I cut out half of the rookie pool to, to keep our league from being an all-star league. And so, uh, of course, I didn't know who was going to be a rookie. Uh, Mike Trout was the big name. There were other names, but uh, that was the one I was looking at. And so, as soon as I found out who the rookies were going to be, I saw that Trout had made it. And I sent Donnie an email, and I said, uh, Christmas comes early in SoCal. And in the body of the email, I just put a picture of Mike Trout. And so that that started it. But that was just between me and Donnie McCullough. You know, I don't, you're right, I don't like when the whole league starts to find out. Um, it, does, it does get a little uncomfortable for me. So he, yeah, he sent out an email to the entire league saying, I'm going to take... I'm going to take this guy, Mike, and I think his last name is a fish. <laughs> this is a great, this is a great moment. And so it just so happened that, uh, it, uh, so I responded by saying, that's it, it's been made official. Mike Carp is the number one pick. Because interestingly enough, Mike Carp was actually a rookie the same year that Mike Trout was, even though Mike Carp wasn't in the RBA. So, uh, but yeah, Mike Trout, Mike Trout went first overall, surprising no one. And then, at number two, I got a player who in just about any other season would have been a number one overall pick, Steven Strasburg. So this was why, I mean, and, uh, of course, with Mike Trout in the pool, we knew that who was going to be taken first overall. So I, I, my paintings weren't that much in a twist, you know. Um, um, you know, Cooper made me an offer for Strasburg. <laughs> I, do re- I do recall these discussions. It was, it was, I believe, I believe... It was a fourth rounder that year. And the number ten. No. 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 It was a. I believe it was a fourth rounder in 2013 and a first rounder in 2014. Oh, oh that sounds great! Wow. Yeah. It, it may have been a third. It may have been a third in 2013. It was either a third or a fourth in 2013, and Cooper's first in 2014. And Cooper was going to be really good in 2013. So. That was going to be an end of the round pick, you know. Well, at least we thought the number two uh, overall pick, and uh, you know, a player who would go number one overall in a lot of drafts for some random late late first rounder <laughs> next year. And yeah, yeah. And Cooper, by this point in the RBA's history, had not. He had. He had. Um, well, he had slowed down. He had slackened a little bit in terms of making the stereotypical Cooper offers, but every once in a while. The old Cooper rose yep. to the surface, and this was a case of draft that. picks. Draft picks are nice. If you wanted to send me one, that would be great. 
No, and then Cooper had the next pick, and he took Edwin Encarnacion. So you look at the top of the first Very round, cool. and and you've got three players who've been who have been really strong for a, a number of years Absolutely. now, I guess. And we have to mention that the following season, uh, Cooper traded you, Edwin Encarnacion. So you actually made off yeah. with the number two and number three picks in this draft, and, and they have been very, very productive for you. And they, they're actually both going to be big parts of, of, a, of a very good 2016 team. Well, what I'm going to do is make the same offer that Cooper made me for Strasburg. I'm going to make that same offer for Trout so I can have all three of them. I'm sure. Going for I'm sure. Donnie's ready to just hand him over. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So then, then it, you then it really drops off when you're looking long term. His name is an anagram of I, crap. I will. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Atlanta then takes. Now you can see it really drop off. Atlanta takes Jared Parker, injuries, etc. Um, Pittsburgh takes Andrelton we Simmons. By that, uh, good defensive grade. Yeah, that was a surprise at the time. Um, SoCal gets yes, money grand all. Uh, here's another one, though. State College took Jonas Cespedes. pick. You know, he turned out to be, I think, much better than we thought he would be, um, having a great season yeah. this year. He was involved in a huge trade. He went to Atlanta um, in this offseason, and he's going to fuel them. He's, he's definitely hitting in the middle of their order and will next year, too. And then the big relievers went. Um, SoCal takes Fernando Rodney, who was a beast I mean, I that year. I remember this, this draft pool and the relievers that were in it. And, I mean, Rodney was just on another planet. He was uh, – yeah. and, you know, SoCal, that was their third first-round pick, the number eight pick. They had the one, six, and eight. So they, they had the flexibility. You know, they'd already gotten Trout. They got their catcher. Uh, they must have had yeah. a whole catcher. And then they were just like, well, all right, let's just take the best reliever. And <laughs> so they kind these. of moved that up. Yeah. Usually the first, but right, and and as we'll see, this was a great SoCal team. I I'm hoping Fernando Rodney can be unhittable again next like year, but uh, I just made a claim for him. Um, Dunedin took Will Middlebrooks, and then another reliever. Las Vegas had the last pick of the first round and took yeah, Kenley Jansen. And I guess it's also worth pointing out just a couple of other picks um, in the second round. Atlanta got Paul Goldschmidt. How about that? Talk about setting up some good Atlanta, a couple of good Atlanta teams and one transcendent Atlanta team in 2016. But just, I love the names ahead of him. Ryan Vogelsong, Adam Adam Dunn, taken <laughs> by Arizona. What position did he play again? Maybe same one as Goldschmidt? I don't think he, he, well, No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. The answer is none for, for Adam Dunn. And, none. and then Wade Miley right before Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, it's just, wow. Mm. I guess I got Seeger in the same round. He's turned Seager out to be quite good. Um, that was a very good mid, mid second round pick. Yeah, he was a second yeah, baseman. Then. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, if you look at the uh, third round, Las Vegas made a nice pick to get very Jason nice, Kipnis. Right in the middle of the third round. Um, How about A Rod? A Rod went later in the third. He showed up in the first round this past season. Um, and then if you look at the very end of the draft, you see a whole lot of Silver City this. picks. Yeah, scrolling to the bottom, Silver City made the last 11 picks of this draft. So they were getting some <laughs> prime talent there. Um, they, Clay Rada. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Tony Gwynn. Oh, wait, that's that's his kid. Not, yeah. Um, yeah, Silver City. See, they traded away half their team, and, and oh, I... I I remember the moment in this draft when I knew what Silver City's 2013 team was going to look like. 
it was when he drafted yes. one Richard Romero, nickname of Ricky. <laughs> That is a special, that is, that is a very special thing that we need to point out that, uh, and he wasn't the only special thing no, on that no, team. He was not. I'm actually trying to find his first pick, John's first, I believe John's first pick was in the 11th round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it was Ubaldo Jimenez. <laughs> Romero was his second pick. Of the oh, draft. So he off draft with this was not one of Ubaldo's better Ubaldo. years either. He started off with Ubaldo and Ricky Romero, and that really set the tone. For Silver City. That, tells that tells you all you need to know. So, um, were there any other big trades, or should I go to the scores um, at the end? I don't end think of the- there were any yeah. other trades of note. Um, I mean, you, I guess, yeah, I'm looking this. I think I should point this out because uh, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about a uh, an in season trade between you and Chad. But this trade looks awfully putrid right now. Um, it looks like on draft day, you acquired Kyle Loesch from Elm Grove. In order to get Kyle Loesch, you traded oh. Nelson Cruz and Adam Wainwright. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a bit of a problem. The thing about that trade... What happened Well, the thing about that trade, though... Well, what happened was, Wainwright was Tommy John. Ah, okay. Wainwright was Tommy John, and he actually wasn't that good for that disc um, for that season. He was kind of like a number five starter, and Loesch was a monster. All right, and Cruz was pretty. Now I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to give up Cruz or Wainwright, but um, actually, that trade really swung. That trade really swung my that that actually that trade actually made my team a contender for 2013. Okay. So now obviously obviously looking back, yeah, looking back, back the I talent in that trade is a little disparate. But um, looking yeah, back yeah. now, is this, oh, yeah. is this the start of Chad's hedging on the 2013 season? Because that's could have been, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Well, anyway, so um so i guess i'll go ahead and give the scores going into round one going into the week one of the 2013 season so post draft uh just just to refresh everyone's memory uh a score of 80 is average and 80 was average i mean it was the average was set to 80 by this point on my spreadsheets so um 100 so 80 is average 120 is borderline great and 40 is borderline terrible. So you can think of that if you want a frame of reference or whatever. It's kind of a benchmark. 120 basically corresponds to a 48-win team. And uh, 40 corresponds to a 34-win team. So I'm basically saying thir- you know, 48 wins is borderline great and 34 is borderline terrible. However you want to set that, you know, wherever you want to draw those boundaries. Um, so, anyway... Um, We'll start with the Larkin and uh, Arizona going into the kind of at the start of the regular season. Arizona was a 106. Um, uh, Our strength was our starting pitching. We had the best starting pitching in the league, and Loesch was a big part of that, and so was Matt Cain and uh, Strasburg. Strasburg, of course, as well. You ended up with Um, the second best pitching staff in the league by, by the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Atlanta was a 67, so you know, yeah. below average, but not terrible. 
Dunedin was a 53, a little bit worse, but again, not really terrible. Uh, Las Vegas was a 132. Wow. And let me just let me just quickly mention this. Um, I actually thought that one of the worst decisions, and I, I suppose this is debatable, but I thought one of the worst decisions in RBA history was Vegas selling off in 2012. Because in 2012, they had a great team, like an absolutely great team, about like this one. And they were a game up on Elm Grove when they, when they sold off. And they, they felt, I guess they felt like they couldn't win at all, which I disagree with. But anyway, they, um, they were a game up on Elm Grove. Elm Grove had made a couple of trades to, make, you know, to, to give themselves an even better team than Vegas had. But again, made trades to beef up the Cardinals. Yeah, I know, shocking. But the thing is, I mean, with wild cards, I don't know how you sell off. I, I mean, Vegas. I, I will. I still remember talking to Cooper in that summer of 2012. I remember where I was when I was talking to him uh, when he told me that he was gonna he was gonna pack it in and sell off to Fort Duquesne and you know Silver City, I think, and some somebody else. And I mean, I, as a commissioner, you try not to get involved in these things. And, you know, like I can't be I can't argue a side really. But, you know, but I was like. Well, you also want you also want a team sure. to stay in the race but too. I mean, just for I was like, are reasons. you sure you want to do that? Uh, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he was he was almost definitely going to make the playoffs. And again, with again with wild cards, he didn't have to win the division. But but I will say this in Cooper's defense: given the decision that he made in 2012, he made the most of it. You know, he brought back a, he brought back a great great team in yeah, 2013. Yeah, a 132. So, I mean, that is a great team, absolutely. Yeah, so you could criticize the decision of selling off in 2012, but he made the most of that decision and and built that team up for 2013 to be as great as it was. 132 is an all time great team, and then finally Elm Grove was a 119, so borderline great. Um, in the pocket, in the pocket, SoCal. Was 138. Mm. I adore this 2013 SoCal team. I just love it. I remember right from the beginning of the season just looking at the offense. And, and I mean, it was so miraculous, really, because the 2012 SoCal team um, might have been the worst team to that. It definitely was the worst offense that we'd ever seen to that point. And maybe is still the worst offense in history. Um, yeah. And it turned around in one season to just this amazing offensive team. And I, I was, I just loved SoCal's 2013 team. Loved it. Yeah, it was a great team. Um, just to quickly mention, it's funny. I, when I get these scores, of course, I take kind of like a weighted average of a team's position players, starting pitchers, and relief pitchers. This number isn't going to mean a whole lot to you, but the average was a 22 for uh, sure. position players. The, 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 the team with average position players was a 22 this year. Um, let me just mention this. The third best in the league was Elm Grove with a 25. Okay. Okay. So think about that for a second. Third best out of ten is only a 25, just a little above average. That's because what was pushing the average up was Vegas was a 39.9, and SoCal and SoCal was a 40. I mean that those yeah, were historically so. great offenses. And uh, guess, this is the uh, way okay, baseball so, goes sometimes. Yeah. But guess which team scored more runs in the RBA season, Elm Grove or Las Vegas? 
yeah, I would imagine Ingram did. Uh, given yeah, what no, we Las Vegas finished yeah. fifth in the league in runs scored. Oh, that's bad. So SoCal, yeah, they got really unlucky. We'll talk about that. But SoCal was a 138. State College was a 30. Mm. Not a good addition. That's pretty tough. Is this a rebuilding year for State College? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That happens sometimes. Fort Duquesne was a 115. Mm. Okay, pretty good. Yeah, they had the best starting pitching in the league with that, you know, Verlander, Kershaw. Those two especially. Harrell looks like he was pretty good, too. But Verlander and Kershaw were were really the story. They were amazing. Um, uh, Pittsburgh was a um, a 58. And now we come to Silver City. Okay, so let me just mention that... um, the worst, the worst team in in RBA history prior to 2013. Obviously, it's debatable. Some would say the 2008 Orlando team. Had the worst record of all time. Right. They had the worst record ever. They went 20 and 61. Some would some would say the 2003 Las Vegas effect. Yes. Yes. That was the team that that was the team that finished with the um, worst. Uh, at least from 2001 through 2012, finished with the worst adjusted, like season adjusted spreadsheet score ever. Remember, yes. I did a podcast with Correct. you and Chad, where I went over I went over the 20 best and uh, yes. 10 worst teams ever by season by season adjusted spreadsheet. Well, Cooper, as you might remember, had the best and worst. The 07 effect, the 07 effect was the greatest team ever according to that yes. measure, and the 03 effect team yes. was the worst. Which is kind of funny. Anyway, anyway, those teams. The point here is that those teams had scores of like like single digits. Right, right. Yeah, scores of like three. Yeah, the O three effect might have been slightly negative, like maybe minus negative two, negative three, something like at the most, I think, or at the worst. Yeah, no, I no, I know it was. I think it was positive. Positive. I think it was. I think it was like a two. I think it was like a two. The O eight Orlando team was actually like a fifteen or something. I mean, it wasn't. Okay. Okay. Um, well, anyway, here's Silver City. Silver City. Silver City was, and I, uh, I'll just say it. Silver City was a negative seventeen. <laughs> oh, Johnny. You mentioned. You mentioned Ubaldo Jimenez and Ricky Romero. I did mention those fellows. How are they? How are they at throwing strikes that season? <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, actually, that's a good segue. Let's go into the actual season. So, Silver City was predictably awful. How did how, how did Romero this is, do? This is one of my favorite lines of all time. Uh, Ricky Romero started 16 games for the uh, 2013 Silver City Vultures. He posted an ERA of 8.27, uh, a, uh, a record of 1-11. <laughs> This is the the best. In 90 and a third innings, uh, Ricky walked 72 batters, pushing a batter an inning. You know, we used to joke about the walk machine, Victor Zambrano, you know, from like like 2005. Romero makes Victor Zambrano look like Greg Maddox. It, I would say it was batting that he was throwing batting practice, but he wasn't that accurate. <laughs> he, was just, he was just walking everyone. Yeah, I would have kicked him out of batting practice. Um, 
Silver City had basically Miguel Montero. Matt Lato. Uh, Troy Matt Miguel Cabrera. They had a few hitters. Their hitting was, I mean, it was bad. Don't get me wrong. It was awful. But they had a few hitters. They're all, the only pitcher on that entire team, and I'm talking bullpen and rotation, was Matt Latos. Yeah. Yeah, he had extremely limited use. That's right. That's right. Cabrera was only hitter. And, and you mentioned Miguel Montero. If, if he was actually, if he actually had a good offensive line, then he... Mm-hmm. completely kicked the dog in the 2013 RBA season because his OPS in the in the RBA was 509. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones awesome. was in the outfield putting up a uh, a 462. So, that's, that's good. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so, were there any um, trades, like big trades or anything during the well, season? Uh, a couple. I mean, as the season progressed, we can mention that Vegas underachieved. I mean, they they really underachieved. Vegas really got they screwed did. here. And and I feel terrible because Cooper's put together a couple of really great teams. You know, he got his plaque in 09 with probably like his sixth best team that he's ever put together. Um, you know, he had a great yeah. team in 07, as you said. Um, and he had a... a yeah, his, his 04, 04, 07, and 13 yeah. teams were And his 05 great. team was yeah. very, very, very good. They were. They yeah, happened was, to be the third best team that season, but they were still a great team. Um, and his team yeah. in this season really underachieved. And, and you could probably say his 2012 team, before he sold it off, was very, very good. Also, they just underachieved a little too. It was. It was. I don't know that they underachieved so much as he. Well, anyway. But, um, yeah. What happened? Chad traded Nelson Cruz to. Chad made a couple of interesting trades. He traded Nelson Cruz to John. Chad did something interesting that I can't really remember happening, but but based on the evidence, it seems like he hedged his bet on 2013. Um, I think that he found a way, and this is a credit to Chad. He found a way, and you'll tell us what the the, uh, the spreadsheet scores are at the end anyway. To not really hinder his team that much for 2013. And he basically got almost all of his draft picks back. Um, yeah, I'd have, yeah I'd have to look at the trades. Like he he made a deal with me that is I mean it's a it's reminiscent of the um, the um the, the Isringhausen trade. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, so he traded me Grant Balfour. Now Balfour was not the best pitcher in the league. Like, he wasn't as good as Isringhausen had been. But he was still a mega – I mean, he was a mega closer. He was, I think, maybe the third best reliever in the league. I mean, he was a lockdown, you know, lights out kind of kind of, kind of guy. Um, and which was – but, but the trade is interesting, you know, because you have one trader – you know, one uh, contender trading uh, trading a top-of-the-line – to Closer. one of his competitors. To another contender. To, to the team that won yeah. that division yeah. and getting draft picks back. I'm very interested, actually, in the, the motivation behind this, and I'd like to hear Chad explain how it is different from the Isringhausen trade, if it is at all. I mean, it, it seems very similar. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we, we've we've been through the Israel housing trade a hundred times. And I just I just want to say for the record, not that it'll matter because I've made this clear before, and Chad just blows right by it every time. But I wouldn't do the Israel housing trade again. <laughs> like I would not. That was a mistake. Uh, I learned I learned after a few years in the league that closers actually are valuable, and that was a that was actually the biggest learning. That was the biggest thing I had to learn in my early years. But it is interesting. Yeah, this is a very kind of uh, this is a rem, kind of a reminiscent of, his, of the Israel housing trade, but anyway, so it's kind of interesting. He made a, he made a, he made a, well, he made a few trades, um, but what's interesting is, uh, so we get to the trading deadline, and Cooper isn't doing that well. I'm overachieving. Ford Duquesne is really overachieving. Um, so, so a lot of the playoffs are already kind of set, and SoCal was doing really well. And I guess, I guess I can go ahead and give you the scores at the deadline. Yeah, right? I just want to mention, you know, that, that I always think about the Bautista trade when Chad got Jose Bautista as a throw-in. It turned out that Chad kind of swapped out. He he got Ryan Ludwig from Pittsburgh, and then that allowed him to trade Nelson Cruz to Silver City for a couple of picks. But the the player he threw yeah. to Pittsburgh was one Josh Donaldson. So it kind of came back on him that, that he got Bautista as a throw-in, but he, then he threw away Josh Donaldson, a uh, future MVP. So it kind of came around there. But, right. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and hear right. the, the okay, well, deadline scores. Okay, here are the post-deadline scores again, starting starting in the uh, Larkin Division. Arizona finishes the season with a score of 118. Okay. So I had I bumped myself up 12 wow. points. Balfour was most of that, but um, I must have done something. Balfour must have made an impact. Uh, the average could have been adjusted. He was a... He was a yeah, that's true. And he, he but he was a massive reliever. I mean, he became my closer, and I had a really good bullpen to start with. He was a massive with, reliever, so kind of like Rich Garces. Yeah, kind of like uh, Jonathan Boston. Oh, um, <laughs> how's that for you? Uh, Atlanta finishes with a sixty. Doesn't look like they really did anything. Not much. They dropped a little. Uh, Dunedin drops to a forty-six. They both traded away. Las Vegas. Las Vegas, like, added a tiny bit, it looks like. They finished at a 134. Might have just been an adjustment. And um, Elm Grove, interestingly enough, drops to a 114. From a, what, 118? From a 119. Yeah. From a 119. So they lost, yeah. like, five points. Um, yeah, I don't one, know what I would love to hear Chad talk about this trading deadline. I really would. One, 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 interesting, one interesting thing about this season is uh, in a 10-team league, even at the start of the season, we had five teams, five out of ten, that were between a 106 and a 138. That that is to say, five out of ten teams were between sort of were between very good and That's super great. great. Yeah. That's rare. rare. That is very rare. And all five teams stayed in the running for the whole season. They made some trades, you know, but they all exactly. stayed in the running. So we did have a five-team race for Over, the spots. But but you have to think that there was some sort of force at the bottom of the league that might have created. (laughs) That might have have pushed those other team scores up, given that the uh, average is set at 80. Yeah, there was was one team like that. When you think about Silver City's original score of a a negative 17, that is as far away from average as a team with a score of 177. (laughs) Which has obviously never been approached. Not even close. There has never been a team in RBA history that was as good 
or even particularly close uh, to as good as Silver City was bad in 2013. So, ever recorded. Do you know offhand? Uh, the best, well, the best adjusted was Vegas. Remember oh, from '07, they they were probably like one, they were like 165 or something. The best. The average was low in in uh, 07. 07 and 08 had a lower okay. average. That's oh, what helped. Of the in terms of raw score. In terms of raw score, the highest ever was actually my 05 team, but that was an easier season to build a really good team. Okay. All right. In terms of raw score, my 07 team was like a 157 or something. Anyway, I'm my 05 team. My 05 team. Um, in the pocket, uh, SoCal finishes with, get this, a 134. Exactly the same. Exactly the same as exactly Vegas. Exactly the same as Vegas. Okay. Just to put this in perspective, 2013 SoCal, 2013 Vegas would both rank somewhere around number 12, number 13 all time up okay. to this point. Okay. So after after 13 seasons, they both rank around okay. number 13. Um, so, yeah, uh, State College, 29. They were awful. Fort Duquesne. Fort Duquesne, a 118, exactly the wow. same as Arizona. They had kind of paired teams in each division there. That's interesting. <laughs> And then you got Chad at 114, so you had five teams after the trade deadline. You had five teams between 114 uh, or whatever it was and 134, yeah. Um, uh, Pittsburgh at uh, 57, and this is kind of funny. This is kind of funny. You know, usually when you have a terrible team, they get worse. Well, John didn't really have anything he wanted to sell, and he picked up Nelson Cruz right. from Chad. So John actually John actually went from a negative 17 to a negative 11. He actually gained six points. Now, negative, negative 11 is still the worst spreadsheet score yes. ever, but it is just kind of funny that he got By acquiring better. and a ball player, <laughs> so a warm body. John was, John was beefing up for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, he should have so, that bullpen a little bit before the playoffs, maybe. Yeah, so basically then we get to the end of the season, and Cooper just continued to not win. I mean, he just continued well, yeah, he to... Only, he only missed the playoffs by one game against Elm Grove. Uh, yeah, that's tree 144. Yeah, that's tree Elm Grove 145. Um, I believe... Still, though, still, though, that's a 50 or 51 win team he had. Oh, certainly. Yes, he he should have. He by all rights should have won the division, uh, and and you overachieved. You know, you won fifty three games, so he didn't even really have a hope for that. And for, and, right, and Fort Duquesne won fifty five. So yep. what you had was what you had was Arizona and Fort Duquesne overachieving by a good bit. SoCal doing about what they should have done. They won fifty games. And and you had Elm Grove doing about what they should have done, winning 45, and Cooper just yeah. couldn't. He was good. 44 and 37 is a good record, but when you've got a team like yeah, that, that, you know, you expect to win 50 or 51, Absolutely. that hurts. And Silver yeah. City did not put up the worst record of all time. I mean, it was terrible, but they, they finished 24 and 57, but they have not. They did not touch that 20 and 61 mark of the 08 Calrissian. It, it looks like their Pythagorean was 20 and 61. Yes, though. it was. I was going to mention that. that <laughs> yes. So they were truly awful. They. I love to look at their run differential because anytime you approach a run <laughs> differential of negative 200, it just it's just nice. It's just a nice number. They were they were negative 199. They scored 275 runs. And gave up 474. It, it always reminds me of the 
uh, the the uh, the what well, maybe not the exemplar, but the, the pioneers of suck in the RBA, which the the O one <laughs> Tallahassee Apaches, the, the team that blazed the trail. I believe they scored 301 runs and gave up 500 and something, like 505, 506. And so any team that can do yeah. that, it just it gets my affection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a warm, it fuzzy story. And by the um, way, Silver City scored so... 41 fewer runs than the ninth best offense. So they were, they were a half a run a game worse than the number nine offense. And they gave they gave you, up a half run more than the number nine pitching staff. <laughs> if you if you held a gun to my head and said, "What's the worst team in RBA history?" There are only there are only two teams that I think I could mention. Um, I would either say 2012 SoCal, which is maybe a team that doesn't get mentioned that much, but their offense was so bad. That's the thing. That's the thing, and that a, a terrible off an offense that bad, you know, will kill your Pythagorean, of course. Um, so just because their offense was so bad, I might say 2012 SoCal, but I would probably lean towards saying 2013 uh, 2013 Silver City. So um, I guess I'll give the replay results. Okay. Um, so quickly again, I did. I ran 20 of these things. I ran more than before. I ran 20. Different 162 game replays. So we got a bigger sample here. The numbers that I'm giving are basically the average wins cut in half to, to 81 games. So here we go. Um, winning the Larkin Division, and as it turns out, winning the uh, entire replay. Las Vegas with a uh, with a healthy 48.9 wins. Per wow. replay, they made the playoffs 16 and a half out of 20 times. And here's the interesting thing: I went back and looked, and the only other team up up to this point to have won the replay and missed the playoffs was the 20, uh, 2010, I believe, yeah, Fort Duquesne. 2010 Fort Duquesne, which they actually tied. And they made, and they made, yeah, they made the postseason. They just didn't make the playoffs. They lost a, right. a playoff they lost game, right? Playoff game to Baltimore. Probably the, the biggest Cinderella story we've ever had, the 2010 Baltimore team. Um, yeah, so that was a very, yeah. very disappointing so they, season for Fort Duquesne. And, and they, yeah, they, they. Yeah, Vegas had a 110 win replay. replay. Second place in the Larkin, fourth overall, so sliding into the last spot. Yeah, so yeah, right, the last playoff spot um, with an average of 45.8, Arizona. Arizona. So those seem to to track pretty well with what your scores would say. Yeah, and in general, that was the case um, with this season. Arizona also made the playoffs 16 and a half times out of 20, same okay. as Vegas. In third, so third place well, in the market. So Vegas, fifth on, place. So Vegas did have a little bit of variance. Like, you would expect them to make the playoffs more than 16 and a half times with that kind of win total, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They had a couple of, like, 83, 85 win seasons. Yeah. About that. I wonder. I wonder if there was some sort of variance thing in that team. I don't know. Just, mm-hmm. just something that came to me. I, I kind of okay. doubt it, but I guess I won't rule it out. Um, third place in the Larkin, uh, fifth overall at 45.0 wins, so about a win behind Arizona. Predictably, 
um, was Elm Grove. Uh, very strong team. They made the playoffs nine and a half times, basically, you know, half and half. And, um, and then Dunedin was fourth with 36 and a half. They never made the playoffs. And Atlanta was fifth with 35.8. They also never made the playoffs. Over, yeah, over to the pocket. Uh, winning the pocket and finishing second overall with 47.2, a very good number, but still 1.7 wins behind Las Vegas was SoCal. Interestingly, SoCal made the playoffs 17 times. More than Arizona and Vegas at 16 and a half. Um, Second place with, uh, and third overall with, get this, Arizona was 45.8. Fort Duquesne. 45.9. Wow. Nine. wow, those teams were basically exactly and, the same in both score and, and replay results. And they, had, yeah, they had the exact same score, and basically, the, here's the kind of interesting, Fort Duquesne made the playoffs. It's kind of weird. I wouldn't have, you know, expected this. Fort Duquesne made the playoffs the most, 17 and a half. Huh. Yeah, kind of yeah. a fluke there. Great, I mean, very good team, but just kind of weird that they made the playoffs more than SoCal right. and Vegas. Um, Pittsburgh finishes... Pittsburgh finishes third with 39.2, and they actually made the playoffs they three times. In the RBA. They only won 33 games. Yeah. Fourth place, State College, 35.5. That seems a little high to me, but they never made the playoffs. It didn't really matter. And now I should mention, this is a, the moment we've all been waiting for. Um, I'll just say that um, up until this point, and we'll see if it continues, the quote-unquote title holder, <laughs> if you want to call it the, 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 the worst team by the replay average in RBA history was 03 yep, Vegas. I recall. So you, you could say that 03 Vegas at this point has two uh, championship belts. <laughs> they, right. they hold, they, 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 they held the, uh, they held, they held the record for worst replay average at 25.9. And they also, and they also held the record for worst Hobbs spreadsheet score adjusted yes. for the season. Yes, they were they were putrid. Okay. They were the mark of putridity. We know. We know that Silver City took one of their titles from them in terms yes. of the spreadsheet. Johnny was gunning um, for Cooper. Was, Here we go. Yeah, the question is the question is would Silver City actually do worse than twenty five point nine average wins, which is just awful. Um, Silver City's replay average was 25.0. They did it. They did it. John, congratulations. (laughs) We have a new new champion. Champion. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yes. So, anyhow, uh, I guess we should uh, quickly do the playoffs. Yeah, I suppose so. I just want to congratulate John for piecing together the, the best load of crap ever. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. He gets the Mike Crap Award for uh, for 2013, which is appropriate. SoCal gets, gets Mike Trout yes. and Silver City gets the Mike Crap. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll cover my series first because it's a little painful. Yeah, so I, I actually looked back and, and I think I've researched all the series and, and uh, this is the first series. Well, well, this series set a first also, so you, you, you have a bit of history in 2013 as well. The Greenbacks, of course, they they had home field on SoCal, being the winner of the Larkin Division and the number two seed. So Arizona came in, uh, you know, but not as a favorite. We knew that SoCal had an extremely strong team. Uh, but Arizona came right. out behind Matt Kane and, and won game one, seven to one. 
And then they uh, behind Los, the aforementioned Los, they won game two, uh, six to three. In fact, Kane and Los each gave up only one run, and, and Eric Stoltz, you'll hear more about him later, gave up two runs <laughs> in, in that game two. Didn't matter then. Um, SoCal did come back in game three, and, and Arizona was actually extremely close to taking a 3 nothing series lead on a very strong SoCal team. Um, Arizona was down two... You were, going to, you were down 2 nothing going to the top of the ninth, and you scored three. Uh, you you actually had to pinch hit for Balfour, your best uh, reliever, to get the lead, to get a two-run single, to take the 3-2 to two lead. It turned out that that, which was probably a necessity, came back to bite you. Um, yeah, Stoltz had a bad yeah, series. Eric Stoltz entered as kind of the last guy, I suppose, and, and SoCal just rocked him for two in the bottom of the ninth, and, and they did take that one, which turned out to be important because El, uh, because Arizona brought the sticks in game four and won 11-6, to six, knocked around SoCal pitching there. You did have a good offense, obviously. Uh, and... Uh, so Arizona took a 3-1 to one series lead. And unfortunately, the part in history that the 2013 Greenbacks own is that they are the only RBA team to hold a 3-1 series lead and blow it. And blow it they yep. did because they got their clocks clean in the last three games. SoCal came out with a vengeance. In fact, Zach Greinke threw a three-hit, no-walk shutout in Game 5 where he gave up only three singles. SoCal won 7 to nothing. Arizona scored a run in the ninth inning of Game 6, was the, which was the only run they scored in the last 27 innings of the series. <laughs> they lost that game 7-1, yeah. to one, and then, uh, as suggested, they got shut out in Game 7, 6 to nothing. So it was just a clean sweep out after the 3-1 lead. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was painful. It was painful, but I did lose to a, a super yeah, great team. So what can you that. do? That's true. It was just painful yeah. the way it happened. The the other first round series also went seven games. It was a really classic kind of matchup between Elm Grove and Fort Duquesne. Uh, a couple of great teams, as we said. Uh, and Fort Duquesne had a better team. Elm Grove had the history uh, and and honestly managerial acumen. Um, but uh, Fort Duquesne took game one, two to one with a couple of late runs. They got out first, and they actually took game two. So both the home teams won, uh, the division leaders, the home teams won the first two games. Uh, Elm Grove did strike back in game three with a five to one win. Um, but kind of the theme for, for Fort Duquesne is, is that when they've got Verlander and Kershaw on the mound, right, they win games one and two, <laughs> and they lost game three. Then Elm Grove won one of those old-time classic Extra yeah. inning Cardinal games, which they never seem to lose, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Fort Duquesne used nine pitchers in a 15-inning yeah. game that the Cardinals won 6-5. And put in Chad going for the win at all times. He put in Felix Hernandez for the last three innings, and he got the win out of it. So uh, Elmgro mm -hmm. did tie the series up 2-2. Two to two. But then Justin Verlander just smoked Elm Grove in game five. Uh, Fort Duquesne won 10 to nothing. And another classic thing about the RBA playoffs that you see sometimes, <laughs> a starting pitcher, especially after a 15-inning game, just left in there to rot on the mound. <laughs> yeah, Wainwright faced, Wainwright faced 46 batters, pitched the whole game, and gave up 10 runs. <laughs> 10 runs. 
after that, Elk Grove did come back. They beat Kershaw in Game Six, so they, they had their backs against the wall facing Kershaw. Uh, they did beat him six to two, scored six runs off of him. Uh, but Fort Duquesne did prevail in Game Seven. Uh, they won four to three uh, with a uh, run in, with a run in the ninth that was scored on an error, a stolen. I'm sorry, run in the eighth, bottom of the eighth, which was scored on an error, a stolen base, a sack bunt, and a sack fly, <laughs> which is awesome. And somewhere, Peter oh, smiling. Yeah, small ball, just small. small ball. So that took yeah. Fort Duquesne and SoCal, both pocket division teams, to the championship. Uh, I was really looking forward to this matchup. You know, Fort Duquesne deserved a plaque by that point. Uh, this was SoCal's first brush with greatness. Um, and, and as yeah. it sometimes happens in the RBA, your first time never really goes well. <laughs> so we've seen yeah. it over and over and over again that you got to have a little bit of disappointment before you get the plaque. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for SoCal, fortunately for Fort Duquesne, it did turn out that way. Um, kind of the omen was Fort Duquesne put up 14 runs in game one, won that one 14 to two. Um, then they pulled out the extra inning win in game two. Uh, in 11, they won that one four to three. They took a two games to nothing lead. You know, you weren't going to keep SoCal down the whole series. And, uh, SoCal scored 10 runs in game three once Verlander and Kershaw weren't on the mound. They got that one 10 to 6. They actually got game four also. So they won both games that Verlander and Kershaw did not start. They tied it at two, but then they had to face the big two again. And, uh, well, and they lost both of those games. Verlander took uh, game five, Kershaw took game six. Fort Duquesne, behind their big two on their pitching staff uh, and a good, solid overall team, won their first and, to date, only plaque. Yeah, it was a good series. A lot of close games, apart from that 14-2 to drubbing in game one. But, um, yeah, and I think, you know, the 13th season, to me, is an interesting one because it was the start of, I think it was the start of, I guess what you would call one of the maybe the probably the biggest transitional phase of the RBA. Yeah. I mean, 2013 was the last season we had 81 games. It was the it was we, we contracted going into the season first of all. Then it was the, it turned out to be the last season that we had 81 games. It was the last season played. I guess you would say solely on your old uh, spreadsheet. And so 2014 would be the real transitional season of the RBA, but 2013 you could kind of see things starting, I guess yeah. you could say. So it was a it was a very fun season, very interesting it was a very season. Interesting season. Um, a lot, a lot of, of good teams, one really awful team. Uh, very very fun yep. playoffs. You know, all the series were very very fun. I have fond memories of that season. And as you said, we were. You know, we started the transition by contracting the teams, and 2014 was was a big transition year for the RBA in a lot of ways. And um, I guess we'll talk about that one next time, right? Yeah, 2014 will be the next one, and uh, yeah, so should be a lot of fun. I guess uh, I guess that pretty well sums up 2013. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. I, you know. Um, it was uh, it was a fun season. It was a good one to have as the final one on the old program. Um, Thirteen seasons worth of a lot of labor <laughs> went into that, and uh, 
Yeah, it was good. So I think we did. It was, my, I mean, from my, from my, yeah, from my perspective, I mean, it was a fun team to manage. I thought it was the, I actually kind of thought it was the weakest of the, of the five really good teams I put together between, I guess you would say, 07 and 13. Um, the sort of second half of the spreadsheet or the whatever the old rba days pre pre abba yeah yeah um but uh, but you know my team had a couple of holes in it and um i don't think it was i definitely don't think it was as good as my 2010 or 2011 teams so it wasn't it was, yeah it hurt to it hurt to go up three to one in the series against socal and then lose but it wasn't that surprising right. either yeah, i mean the, the overall result couldn't have been surprising it was just the way it happened is, is rough yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, well, very good. Uh, so we're back at it. So we hope to get the 2014 one maybe before the end of the summer. Uh, it's nice to do a replay podcast yeah. again. Very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been about three years since we did our last one. So uh, we'll try to get another one out for right. you soon. Uh, okay. Well, until then, uh, this is, I'll say goodbye, Jeff. Later, everyone. Later, everyone.